Hi, I'm John Foley, and this is the Cloud Database Report, a new podcast on the exploding world of big data and the platforms and services that companies use to manage data in the cloud, terabytes, petabytes, and exabytes of data. This is our very first episode of this new podcast, so let me begin by welcoming everyone. Each week, we'll discuss the latest developments in the cloud database market and talk to industry experts about the trends, challenges, and opportunities they see. Today's guest is Ido Liberty, the founder and CEO of Pinecone Systems, a startup that is developing a vector database for machine learning applications. In January, Pinecone emerged from stealth mode and released its new database for availability in public beta as a managed cloud service. I talked to Ido about the who, what, why, and how of vector databases. Coming up next is our conversation But first, a couple of announcements. This episode of the Cloud Database Report is sponsored by Cockroach Labs. What you build and where it takes you shouldn't be limited by your database. CockroachDB helps developers build and scale apps with fewer obstacles, more freedom, and greater efficiency. So you can forget about the database and trust that it just works. Kubernetes-friendly, open source, and indestructible, CockroachDB gives you the freedom to serve your customers anywhere and it's backed by world-class documentation and dedicated support. Discover CockroachDB, the most highly evolved distributed SQL database on the planet, Kubernetes native and built from the ground up to help companies of all sizes scale fast, survive anything, and thrive everywhere. Learn more at cockroachlabs.com slash cloudwars. And our podcast is also sponsored by InterSystems. InterSystems is a creative data technology provider and the engine behind the world's most important applications, providing innovative data solutions for organizations with critical needs, such as those in healthcare, financial services, and logistics. The InterSystems IRIS data platform addresses interoperability, speed, and scalability, powering global organizations to build high-performance, machine-learning-enabled applications. Through smart data fabrics, InterSystems connects data across organizations and enables them to maximize their existing technology investments. InterSystems is committed to excellence through its award-winning 24 by 7 support for customers and partners in more than 80 countries. Learn more at intersystems.com. Today's guest is Ido Liberty, founder and CEO of Pinecone Systems, a startup that is developing a vector database for use in machine learning. Ido has an impressive academic background in computer science, physics, and applied math. And prior to founding Pinecone, he was a researcher at AWS, where he worked on Amazon SageMaker, the popular integrated development environment for machine learning. And before that, he was a senior research director at Yahoo. Uh, Ido, welcome to our podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, so, Ido, why don't we start, you know, uh, you worked for years uh, as an academic and researcher in, um, you know, uh, solving some of these problems. So could you kind of explain how your work as a researcher led to uh, starting up Pinecone? Um, sure. The, first of all, thanks uh, uh, for the lovely introduction. Um, yeah, I've been working most of my life uh, on 
uh, scaling up machine learning, big data algorithms, infrastructure for uh, doing uh, everything that we call now AI, but uh, we didn't really call that that for many years. Um, and for most of my career, um, improving algorithms, improving infrastructure, improving uh, platforms was mainly so that you can even do what you wanted to do. So we had like some number of machines somewhere. Uh, in the beginning, it was under our desks and then it was in some compute center at Yahoo. Uh, and the question was whether you can allow yourself to run some workload or not, right? Uh, but then once you could, uh, that, was, that was it. Like there was absolutely no more reason to improve it. And the cloud really changed that paradigm because if now you can be twice as efficient, that means your services are, uh, cost uh, half as much to the, to the consumer of those because now compute, the cloud has made compute become like a, like a pay-as-you-go, pay-by-consumption resource. And suddenly algorithms and platforms became the, the kind of the main act. Uh, and for me as somebody who's dedicated his life to, to those, uh, that is very appealing because now that's the product. Uh, and that kind of came together uh, for me with, with machine learning and, and, and big data that are kind of my core passions. And, and you know, Pinecone, the, the vector database and the similarity search uh, kind of as a service that we, we develop. Uh, that's, that's in the intersection of all those things. So that was kind of, a, for me, like a aha moment, aha moment that is like, hey, this is, this is the right thing to be doing. Yeah, well, uh, you know, the, the platform model, I think is very powerful, especially in the world of databases uh, and cloud databases. I do want to talk about that, but first, Let's just kind of start at the beginning, which is vector database. Um, you know, I've been following this conversation in the database industry about uh, um, all-purpose databases versus special-purpose databases. We have document databases, time series, key value, in-memory, graph, and so on. Um, and um, a vector database is, uh, is it fair to say, kind of like a, a, one of the newer entrants into this conversation? Correct. Yeah, so could you uh, start there by telling us what is a vector database? Sure. So databases, as, as you, you know, there's the two, uh, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of, of databases becoming more specialized rather than less specialized with time. The workloads are growing uh, and this, you know, uh, the, um, they're also kind of diversifying in a way that you know it makes it makes a it makes sense to have a specialized database if you have a specialized workload. So I, I'm a big believer in that. Um, specifically, vectors and why they're different than other uh, types of data structures, uh, databases. Uh, vectors are how machine learning represents everything, whether it's images or audio or uh, documents or user behavior or, you know, you name it. Uh, it goes through a very uh, either simple or complex process of representing those objects as a high dimensional vector, which is a, a list of say, you know, a thousand or 5,000 numbers, right? Uh, and those numbers are floating point numbers. They're just like, you know, 
whatever 1.5 and then you know minus 0.36 and so on and so you have a thousand of those uh, and that is the representation of the object and in some sense it's kind of like how your brain you know represents like what you see right or your your auditory cortex is, represents what you hear it's it's a set of activations of neurons uh, which is very different than the original object right but it's exactly what your brain needs to be able to uh, operate on those things, to understand them, to uh, act on them, to remember them, to retrieve them by, by you know, memory and so on. Those are in some sense, the right representations of, of, of complex data, okay? So on the one hand, you have this like huge thrust in, 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 in the industry to represent more and more objects with machine learning data. So with machine learning, which means creating these high dimensional vectors and these semantic representations of objects. In the same time, the traditional hardware, traditional software, traditional databases that take care of those high dimensional vectors don't exist because now you don't have SQL anymore. They have no keys, no values, no, I mean, th there's no structure to that high dimensional vector. Um, there, uh, there's no meaning to any specific coordinate, you know, it's like, uh, you know, some activation of some neuron in your brain. I mean, that is not sufficient to do anything. You kind of have to look at the entire set uh, for it to have meaning and so on. And so all the infrastructure we have doesn't really quite work for this kind of data. You know, it's not a graph. It's not a key value. It's not a, you know, it's not a row in a table. It's a high dimensional vector. It is what it is. I mean, you have to deal with it for, for what, you know, kind of natively for that. Uh, and you know, there's, uh, that is what a vector database does. I mean, it takes these semantic vector representations of your objects, be them documents or images, stores them, searches through them and retrieves uh, by similarity or by uh, relevance, you know? Um, and it's, it's just a very different kind of infrastructure than the, the, the other databases that we have. Yeah, and um, it's also, optimized for machine learning. I guess, I guess this, uh, you know, these vectors are uh, really designed specifically for ML um, development, uh, right? Correct. Uh, yeah. They are both uh, the output and the input of machine learning. So, you know, when you transform an, an image, say like a JPEG or, a, you know, some, some raster bitmap of the, 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 the pixel intensities, transforming that into a machine, like a semantic vector in and of itself is a computer vision uh, problem. It's like it's, a, it's machine learning in and of itself to transform it. But then that high dimensional vector is also the input for classification, for similar semantic similarity, for, for you know, deduplication and so on, which in, in and of itself is another machine learning problem. And so it kind of lives within the big ecosystem, both as inputs and as outputs for, for machine learning. Yeah, and you know one of the things that's uh, interesting to me is you know we're hearing so much about machine learning these days. Uh, it's uh, on you know one hand it seems very esoteric, right? It's really um, kind of the world of um, you know AI and and ML engineers and developers, but on the other hand it seems to be going more mainstream. Uh, I'm seeing increasingly, uh, you know, technologies that are designed uh, to make machine learning usable um, and accessible to um, wider groups. Um, 
I saw uh, the term machine learning for everyone recently. And um, with Pinecone, uh, using the API model, um, it says an API call away, uh, leave the infrastructure and the ops to us. So am I right that ML is um, uh, becoming more mainstream for, you know, across IT and business and, um, and that Pinecone fits into that trend? A hundred percent. The you know, what we see in the, in the kind of business world, in the kind of the business stakeholders, they look at, you know, what Google and Microsoft and, you know, Pinterest and Tinder and, you know, and Netflix and LinkedIn and you name it, all the big internet companies, right? And uh, all the big retailers or the big, you know, media companies. And they see that they have data science teams and they see the papers and the technical reports they put out and say, hey, you know, these guys are using kind of embeddings and vectors and machine learning to, you know, improve ranking and improve conversion on the, on the retail sites. And like we can improve, you know, click through rates and, and time spent on the website and so on. And they want to improve their key business metrics as well. And they go to their chief scientist or the chief CTO and say, why don't we do that as well, right? Uh, which makes sense. I mean, the, there's like, there's, you know, they are leaving either money or experience or, or, uh, uh, or uh, uh, you know, pretty much, if they just leave stuff on the table, whatever that, you know, whatever the key metric would be. Um, and so now those science and engineering teams need to figure out how to get there, right? And what where we fit in and a lot of other technologies also fit in is to make that journey shorter, better, more likely to succeed. And when you say uh, ML is, is going mainstream, I think that's exactly what's happening today. You see companies like us and others, you know, understanding, hey, this, you know, this journey that used to take you three months is now like uh, two days and an API call where you have to figure out how to use it. And then like it, it takes off the table a bunch of headache that you would have otherwise uh, you know, experienced, right? And you see that all over the map from the MLOps to the vector databases, to the like monitoring, to the training, to the hosting and, and so on. Uh, and so, yes, it's going mainstream because a lot of tools are being, are getting better and getting better documented and more accessible. Uh, I agree with you that it's not fully mainstream yet because there's still some figuring out to be done. And there are a lot of companies who tell you that they have this like magic black box that you just, you know, throw your data in there and just some magic happens. Uh, I wish that was true. I mean, as somebody who's kind of been running in the trenches for however many years, I, I just frankly don't buy that model so much. It might work for very, very specific things, but um, my two cents and, you know, when I speak to my customers off, more often than not, they would have a very unique problem and they tell us, hey, I know my customers and I know my data better than anybody else. And I, I want to be, I want to own my own destiny here. And so, yes, uh, it is becoming mainstream. It is becoming easier. Uh, it, it's still an effort though. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we are talking uh, vectors and machine learning and it's, you know, uh, it's not for everyone, but um, I think we do know that most businesses and organizations are going to want these capabilities. So, uh, you know, so it's just kind of bridging that gap. Now, 
But why don't we talk a bit about the users, uh, the early adopters, um, and the use cases uh, for this technology? Um, so, you know, who are the pine cone um, users in the early going? So there are two types of, uh, two camps of, of users that, that we see that, that get a lot of benefit for something like Pinecone. On the one hand, you have the uh, small companies, startups, uh, or otherwise uh, people are experimenting with similarity search, with vector search, with embeddings and so on. Uh, for them, the main benefit is just ease of use in, in uh, time to something running in production, right? So they, they can figure it out, you know, they can they create some embeddings for their images and put it into a vector database and run within minutes. Uh, and for them just not managing the infrastructure and being up and running in like a few hours and not worrying about it is, is a huge benefit, right? Um, um, the other spectrum, the other side of the spectrum are very large companies where they would have a very heavy workload. And for them, uh, they're more than happy to invest the energy, but they just can't scale it, right? So now it's a question of operational, you know, running similarity search on, you know, 100,000 vectors is, is not very hard, uh, but doing it on 100 million vectors and doing it a thousand times a second, 24-7, uh, and uh, doing that well and, and so on. I mean, you, you're in a very different mindset of now this needs to be a backbone service for my company like, do I really want to dedicate 10 engineers to it? And do I even like have the talent in-house to do that well? And so those are kind of the two extremes and we kind of see the, the, there's, some, there's some spectrum and you see some, some people in the middle, but uh, to be honest, I mean, the, those are kind of the two, uh, two main modes that, that we see people get a value out of, of Pinecone. Mm -hmm. And, and and maybe we could spend a, a few minutes here on the use cases. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned similarity, uh, similarity search um, as a service is something yeah. that uh, Pinecone offers. Um, so similarity, help me understand what that is. That's a product rep uh, recommendations, that type of thing. Um, and uh, I'm sure that it's just why, you know, widely used in many different ways in the world of business. But maybe you could talk a little bit about similarity search and other ways that a vector database can be used. Yeah. So for better or for worse, similarity search is the term uh, that is used for, uh, in general, vector search in um, a whole set of technologies, actually, um, that has to do with retrieval uh, from a, a large set of high dimensional vectors. So like a vector database, uh, which you, I think you're hundred percent right to point to that, that, that it, it's not always about similarity. And so if you are uh, looking for similar documents, like literally doing due duplication, say, do I actually have this exact document or some, some variant of it in my database or in my collection of documents, that would literally be a similarity search. I'm looking for something that's almost identical, right? Uh, but it's actually used very much, for example, for semantic search for regular search, right? I, I have a search query, which could be like a, a handful of words and then, you know, documents, which are full documents maybe with images and, and, and whatnot, right? Those 
using machine learning are actually represented, those are both converted into high dimensional vectors. And the match, the level of relevance is actually modeled by the similarity or the angle between those uh, uh, or, or correlation, say, between those two vectors, between those two embeddings, right? So now your, your similarity search engine actually does something very different than similarity, but rather ranking or retrieval by these embeddings, right? Under the hood, very deep under the hood, what you have is retrieval by similarity, retrieval by, by uh, correlation, but that is an artifact of how the model is, is operating. Uh, that what you experience as, as, as a user is a ranking, is a relevance uh, uh, retrieval, okay? Personalization is the same thing. I mean, if you do product recommendation in a retail setting, for example, you know, you correlate your personal behavior on your, on like a shopper's behavior on a website, what they search for, what they clicked and what they put in their shopping cart with your representations of all the items in your catalog. Well, clearly those are two very different objects. I mean, they're not similar in any way, but you can model them with high dimensional vectors and you can model the, the level of fit as a correlation or as a similarity. And so that's how we would fit in this engine. And so, uh, you know, for better or for worse, I, you know, I agree with you that similarity search is, is uh, it might be misleading if you don't know what uh, kind of, if you don't, you're not aware of the terminology, uh, but that is, seems to be the, the, the standard uh, terminology mm -hmm. for it, for the technical folks. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, the example you 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 mentioned here was a I think a retail example, um, yep. so I want to like just ask you about um, industry scenarios here. I mean, read like you know which industries would be the ones most likely to be interested in and to be able to apply a vector database. Um, you know, retail, e-commerce. I'm guessing financial. Uh, you know, the fi finance industry. Um, you know, where would you, where would you kind of expect to see the early adopters? Right. So frankly, I, I see the need in pretty much every, uh, almost every industry, anybody that has a large collection of objects, be them text or user behavior or uh, shopping catalog, right? And they have to retrieve from them or search through them by relevance or by rank. Uh, or by some, you know, uh, quality, okay, with respect to a query or a user and so on, uh, th then that's a good use case, right? And so uh, even companies who do text search, just like literally search like a corpus of documents with keywords, right? Oftentimes wanna, want to augment that with vector search, say, hey, you know what? I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, maybe a big legal firm and I, I'm, you know, I, I'm looking for a, a paragraph that says roughly this, you know, that's, that's a very complex search. It's not about searching for specific words. It might actually, you might not know what words are there. And so in legal, in, in compliance, in security, in media, all the social network stuff, all the media ranking, feed ranking, all that all that is moving away from keyword and cues and whatnot into like vector embeddings and representations. 
all the personalization and, and ranking of that sort. Uh, it's really a very wide set of use cases. I, you know, I, uh, um, yeah, it's almost easier to qualify who's not a good user than <laughs> who is. But, okay. Uh, well, this gets back to the point uh, we were making earlier about uh, this technology uh, becoming mainstream, and I, I, I think you know the, the the timing seems to be good for Pinecone, right? Um, in terms of this type of a capability uh, coming at the same time that um, companies are looking for solutions like this. Now, um, you know, at the beginning of our conversation here, we talked a little bit about the platform. Um, and, and I mentioned that I, I'm really interested in um, this evolution of, of, from, of database technology from really just being a mere database engine to being a, a data platform, right? Because with the data platform, uh, it's easier to um, have a flexible business model, um, access the technology in different ways, uh, and also to tie in um, related services, um, maybe even from partners or other companies. So could you talk a little bit about um, the, you know, how the Pinecone uh, technology uh, uh, is, will become available and what uh, a Pinecone platform might look like? Good. So I, I, uh, I love that question because I think this uh, uh, ties, like this uh, aligns really well with our philosophy and our strategy which is exactly um, like Snowflake. In, front, in, in, in fact, our, uh, the lead investor in our seed round is the lead investor in, in Snowflake's uh, 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 seed round and uh, somebody who I, uh, I, I really love working with because we, we, we do get a lot of parallels there and a lot of thought, uh, a lot of, a lot of thinking is very similar and exactly the, along the lines that, that you just outlined, which is uh, two things. As a managed service on both GCP and AWS right now and future clouds coming online, uh, we can offer a kind of service that companies are not used to. You know, even if you buy an amazing piece of software, you're almost like expecting a few weeks worth of like you know, setting up and procuring hardware and, you know, you know, running it and making sure it does well and so on. You're, you're kind of buying into some operational pain that you kind of are almost taking for granted. Uh, and with, an old, with a managed service, that doesn't happen. You basically ask for an index with an a one API call and then it's up and you don't need to know anything about, you know, exactly what hardware it's running on and so on. But the huge benefit of that is that we, under the hood, can actually improve your services over time without you explicitly, you know, upgrading or changing or doing anything really. I mean, you just, you don't even know it and your service just becomes better, faster, you suddenly get more features and so on. So we're great believers in the managed service uh, model. Uh, and even, you know, running on-prem, it's, it's interesting, a few years ago, I, you know, when people said on-prem, they meant they actually buy hardware and hook it up to, you know, to the AC, you know. Um, today, when people say, you know, de do you deploy on-prem, they actually mean, can I install it on my cloud on AWS? Like, uh, which is crazy to me, because that's really not on-prem, it just means AWS. It's just that, you know, <laughs> um, and so, 
managed services really now uh, the 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 uh, with network configurations becoming a lot more uh, software defined nowadays. You know, on-prem versus not on-prem is is kind of the same thing already, and so uh, that that's that's another interesting transition. And and I think um, sorry to interrupt you, though, but um, a serverless is a part of your uh, your architectural approach as well. Am I right? I mean, serverless is a complex term. I think people think about serverless. Uh, I think they equate it with stateless, which I think is wrong, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I'm not here to educate the market on terminology. Uh, we, we, we give like a serverless type of behavior uh, in the sense that you don't need to care or know about which servers are running. So you don't have to manage servers. But obviously, there are servers running. <laughs> I mean, it does this, you know, it happened, the compute happens somewhere and they're not stateless because it is a database. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm uh, hesitantly buying into the serverless terminology, assuming that uh, whoever is listening to it has the right, the same mental model that I have for it. Yeah, that's fair it, enough. It, it, might be, it might be confusing to many. Um, okay. The last thing you said about a platform, I think, is again, very accurate and, 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 and plays into the kind of features that you can get with a managed platform, which is, you know, suddenly integration with some data source that you might want to bring in to your vector database um, is something that you can get from a managed database as, as a feature, you know, uh, that's built in, uh, which you, you would not have, uh, you would not have on, you know, traditional on-prem. So, I think Snowflake's ability to do that stems from the long-term strategy, which is exactly our strategy as well. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a great believer in, in the ability to deliver for our customers that way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, Ido, as we wind down here, uh, I guess I would ask you to give us a little bit of a look ahead. Okay. Um, so I think Pinecone um, uh, came out of stealth mode in uh, just the beginning of this year, in January of this year, if I have the timing right. Um, and um, the company uh, was founded a couple of years ago. Uh, so like, um, like what would be uh, something to look forward to in, uh, you know, uh, you know, in, in the rest of 2021 here? Is there any, any milestones or anything in particular that we should be watching for? Um. Yeah, there are many. I don't know if we have time to actually uh, cover all those. I think the the um, I'll just maybe mention that there are kind of three different components that you would expect your vector database to excel on. One of them is the core engine, you know, its capabilities, its speed and efficiency. The other one is the scale and 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 stability and production readiness. And the third is the ease of management. You know, how do I get to it? How do I manage my, my resources, the, my access patterns and so on? You want all of these to proceed and, and advance in lockstep and you want all of them to be great. Otherwise it doesn't quite work. And we are uh, marching forward with a lot of improvements on all fronts. Uh, I can't quite say exactly what the, the, you know, the features that we're releasing are, but, uh, you know, I, I, you know, by the end of this year, Pinecone would, you know, be a much more capable, much bigger, better, faster, uh, and easier to use product. 
But that's it for this episode of the Cloud Database Report. I want to thank uh, Edo Liberty with Pinecone Systems. Um, and also thanks to everyone for joining us. You can find the Cloud Database Report on the Cloud Wars website and be sure to sign up for the free Cloud Database Report newsletter. Until next time, take care. I look forward to talking to you again soon.